Hi guys, it's me, Paula, and I pray. Welcome to Paula Praise for such a time as this. I wanted to share such an important message with you today. First of all, let's pray together. I want to pray for you. I'm praying for you because I want you in 2019 to be a witness for Jesus Christ. I want you to understand how important it is that only you can can influence your circle. Only you, the Lord, can send into certain places and people to share Christ. And I want you to be in that right place at the right time. So, Father, I come before you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're with me, you're in me. You will not leave me nor forsake me. You are the teacher of the church. You're the one who reveals the truth. I ask that you open up the eyes of the listener's understanding. Give them revelation knowledge. Give them the wisdom of God, the ability of God, the might of God to receive this message, Lord, which will help them and save their souls. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. That's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting. So what I want to share with you comes out of the book of Acts, being a witness for Christ. And I want to start with what happened there in, in the Acts of the Apostles. Um, the Holy Spirit was promised. And it says in Acts chapter 1, in verse 4, and my point of bringing this to you is how they were in assembled together in agreement and how they obeyed the commandment of the Lord Jesus Christ and how they listened to him and acted upon him and were in one accord. They were in one accord, and that meant that they were they were together. They were going to do this thing, and they all agreed. And that's why they had the mighty outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the signs and wonders that followed, because they were in agreement, and they agreed. They had a certain way of praying and being in one accord, and their enemy was also in one accord who threatened them at the same time. So I want to note, I want you to look at this. There'll be a witness for Christ, how important it is to come into agreement, okay? So I said, Acts chapter 1, verse 4, And being assembled together with them, this is Jesus speaking, he commanded them not to be not to depart, excuse me, from Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise or the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, hey, Lord, when, when, when will you at this, what time will you restore the kingdom to Israel? So they had some questions about timing, like what are these things going to happen? But listen to Jesus's response. He said to them, and some of you may be wondering, when, when is Jesus returning? That's okay. You, you need to know the signs of the time, right? But God wants you to do something else. He wants you to be a witness for him meantime, in the meantime. It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power. That's, that's dunamis. That's the, the firepower of God when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You see, our job is to be going before the Lord and be 
receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit, saying, Lord, send me out to be a witness for you and be in agreement with the Lord. Well, Jesus ascended into heaven and they watched him go. And then it says in verse 12, the upper room prayer meeting happened. They returned to Jerusalem from the Mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. So who was up in that upper room? Do you know who was up there? Read it. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord. They were in one accord in prayer. This is a prayer ministry. They were in one accord again. They were steadfast in supplication with the women and and Mary with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So they all were in that place waiting for the Father's promise. They had to take care of some business. And after they took care of some business, chapter 2 of Acts, the coming of the Holy Spirit came, just as Jesus said. But they had to be in that place. They had to go to the upper room and they had to wait for the Father's promise. And they had to be in one accord in prayer, in agreement. They do it together because they agree together. You know, beloved, things aren't going to happen in your life if you're not in agreement and one in core with the Lord. If you're bucking the Lord, if you're bucking the Holy Spirit, if you're a rebel, things aren't going to happen for you, okay? But I want things to happen for you. So be filled with the Holy Spirit right now in the name of Jesus. So in Acts chapter 2, you can read about it. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, in one place. And suddenly, I love the suddenlies of God. Suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. A rushing mighty wind was like a tsunami. I don't know any way to describe it. A tsunami came. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire. The Bible says Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. Do you know you need the fire of God to be a witness for Christ, to do the things of God? And this fire set one set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So, one of the signs of the baptism or infilling of the Holy Spirit, according to the Bible, You need to know what the Bible says, the Word of God. This is your roadmap right here. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. That word there, glossolalia, means languages that they didn't know. They weren't like, you have such a high IQ. Oh, my goodness, you speak in 17 languages. No, supernatural language from heaven, heavenly languages, okay? In verse 5, and there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound, it's the sound, occurred, so it had to be really loud. They're in, they're in an upper room in a town. So this isn't like psh, 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 whisper. This was loud, loud. And when the sound occurred, the multitudes came together and were confused because everyone heard them speaking in his own language. That word confused there. They were perplexed. They didn't know 
what was going on. Okay, that's what that means. They were mystified. They were stupefied. What, what is this? This is new. What is this? Because everyone heard them in his own language. And then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all those who speak Galileans? How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Judea Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Pygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and in all parts of Libya, joining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. Christians, Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? But others, note this, others were mocking, you know? And they said, they are full of new wine. They're just drunk. So could you imagine how wild that day was, what it was like on Pentecost? I mean, it was so loud. It was a suddenly tsunami of God. It came with a mighty rushing wind. The fire of God came, okay? This beautiful language they were given. They were in one accord, so they were speaking in their heavenly languages in a corporate setting, in one accord. Come on. And everyone could hear them. So they heard them speaking wonderful works of God, and they could understand them because all these different people were there um, in that, from every nation under heaven. Perfect. <laughs> Well, Peter gets up and he stands up with the 11 and raises his voice and says, the men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words, for these are not drunk as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. So he, he shares the word of God. He says, Joel, this is uh, Joel 2, 28 and 29. He quotes the prophet Joel and it shall come to pass. In the last day, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now get this message. Memorize it. Verse 22. Men of Israel. I'm speaking to some people right now saying, hey, hear these words. It's Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified and put to death whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it, for David says concerning him. Now he quotes David, King David. Here we go. Quotes David. And he says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, and he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope, for you will not leave my soul in Hades. This is Psalm 
I believe, 16. Nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life, and you will make me full of joy in your presence. He says, Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of his fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ, Messiah, to sit on the throne. He, foreseeing this, spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ, that his soul would not be left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God has raised up, of which we are all witnesses. Again, this message is about witnessing. So he says, um, Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you now see and hear. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. So they were struck in the heart when they heard the truth and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. See? You're going to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then Jesus will baptize you in the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. So we see right there, they witnessed whom? The resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Use Bible language when you witness, okay? Use the word of God when you witness to people. Because after this, I mean, the church just, boom, it just grows. So it says, with many other words and testifying, you know, convincing words, he exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. That should be her message. Repent and turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. It says in verse 41 in Acts chapter 2, then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day there were 3,000 souls added to them. The church is boom, it's growing, okay? They were baptized. See, that was a sign that, you know, we're coming out for the Lord. We're showing an internal repentance means an outward sign. We're baptized, you see? And they continued steadfastly. What What did they do? Went back home. Oh, let's keep a regular day. Let me go to work. No. In the apostles' doctrine, that's a doctrine of Christ, and fellowshipping, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. So they were in one accord. They were in agreement. Then fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believe were together. Notice they were all together. They were in agreement. They were in unity. You notice that? 
And they believed together and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily, again, here we go with that word, that phrase, one accord. They're in one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. So they were from the houses they met. So today we're meeting on my prayer call from my house to your house. That's the only way I can think of it. The 21st century house to house. They ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily who were being saved. See, the Lord added to the church from their witnessing and from their testimony. Now, we know in chapter 3, this is an incredible miracle. A lame man who's lame, cannot walk from birth, is healed. It causes a complete uh, riot here because what happened, Peter and John went up to the temple together at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who were entering the temple who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms and fixing, uh, verse uh, four, fixing his eyes upon him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But then Peter said, silver and gold, I do not have, but what I do have, I give you. What did, what was Peter's witness? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he was leaping. He stood up and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with, again, wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, as the lame man who was healed held on to Peter and John, all the people ran together to them in the porch called called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness, we have made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just and asked for a murderer to be granted to you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Again, we are witnesses and his name through faith in his name. Notice at the name of Jesus in his name has made this man strong whom you see and know. Like right before their eyes, they're seeing this man. Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. Yeah, now, brethren, I know what you did. But you did it in ignorance, as did also your rulers. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. So repent, therefore, and be converted. What is the message? What is the gospel? Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of his holy prophets since the world began. There's going to be a restoration of Israel. We know that. They're saying right now, I want you to repent. 
receive the presence of the Lord, who will blot out, be converted and receive Jesus Christ. Okay, heaven's received him now, but he's coming again. We know that. For Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. In him you shall hear, in him all things, whatever he says to you, you shall excuse me, him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet will be utterly destroyed from among the people. Verse 24 of chapter 3 of Acts. Yes, and all the prophet from Samuel and those who follow, as many as have spoken, have foretold. They, I'm just going to pause there and say they all told and spoke about him coming, Christ. They foretold these days, you are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, in your seed, that's Christ, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away every one of you from your iniquities. What an amazing message. This is Peter, the guy who denied Jesus until he got the power and the fire of the Holy Ghost upon him, the gift of the Holy Spirit, he wasn't he wasn't he wouldn't be able to preach that message to be a witness for Christ. But right after that, there's a threat. Peter and John are arrested. So now as they spoke to the people, the priests, the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came with them, being greatly disturbed that they taught the people and preached in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. They're very angry. And they lay hands on them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. However, many of those who heard the word believed. So many heard during all this time. They were believers. And the number of the men came to be about 5,000. So now there's this, this Peter's going to address the Sanhedrin. This is the, the Senate, the, the political and religious Senate of their day. Okay, It came to pass on the next day that the rulers, elders, and scribes, as well as Annas the high priest, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and as many as were of the family of the high priest, were gathered together at Jerusalem. And when they had set them in the midst of them, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? Here's our Peter again, our witness. Verse 8. Then Peter... Peter, of his own mind? No. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day are judged for a good deed done to a helpless man, by what means he has been made well? Well, let it be known to you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man stands here before you whole. This, and he quotes then the word of God. This is the stone which is rejected by you builders, which has become the chief cornerstone, nor is there salvation in any other. You know, there's several false messiahs out there. Uh-huh. Several false Christ, several false teachers, several many false prophets and teachers that teach a false doctrine. And it's quoted here, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. No other name. What is that name, people? Jesus Christ, that you can be saved. You can't save yourself. That's the agnostic religion. You can't save yourself. Not everyone is saved, born saved. 
You're not born God as some New Age philosophies teach. No, no. We're born sinners and we need to be saved by, by God's grace through Jesus Christ alone. That's the testimony of Jesus. But this name is so powerful. His name, the name of Jesus, is so powerful that now when they saw the boldness of Peter, that's a holy boldness on Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated. So this isn't about the power of man's ability through intellectualism. And untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. And seeing the man who had been healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves and they said, what shall we do with these men? For indeed, there is a notable miracle and has been done through them. It's evident to all who dwell in Jerusalem and we cannot deny it. See, so they saw it and they knew the power of God was there. But so that it spreads no further, notice he says it, so it spreads no further among you, um, among the people, excuse me, let us severely threaten them, severe threatening, that from now on they speak to no man in the name, in that name. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. I like Peter's response, Peter and John. Here we go again. Peter and John, the dynamic duo, answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. For the man was over 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing had been performed. And being let go, they went to their own comp- comp- companions and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So they went and told everyone. In verse 24, so when they heard that, they raised their voice to God in one accord again, they raise their voices to God in one accord. This one accord, the Lord has just quickened to me about prayer and prayed. This is what, when they had the threats, this is what they said. They prayed this, Lord God, you are God who made heaven and earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the mouth of your servant David have said, why? They're quoting Psalms too. This is an end time Psalms. Why did the nations rage and the people plot vain things? The kings of the earth took their stand and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. He quotes the word of God. For they, for truly against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles, and the people of Israel were gathered together to do whatever your hand and, and your purpose determined for it to be done. Now, Lord, and so we can pray this, look at their threats, look on their threats, and grant to your servants that with all boldness they may speak your word by stretching out your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders will be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they prayed this. I'm going to have you pray this. I want you to pray this prayer in Acts chapter 4. It starts uh, with verse 25. Who by the mouth of your servant David, and then it goes on, and it says, now, verse 29, 
Lord, I'm asking you, look on these threats and grant me, your servant, holy boldness that I may speak your word. Stretch out your hand, Lord, to heal and through signs and wonders that, that, that through your name of your holy servant, Jesus. Now get this, in Jesus' name. We pray that, but get this, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. You're telling me? This place was shook with the power of God. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. Dear ones, we're not going to be witnesses for Christ in 2019 without the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit. Look at John. Study John chapter 14, 15, and 16. Jesus describes the Father's promise, the coming of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? He's called the Spirit of Truth. He's called the Comforter, the Counselor, the Intercessor, the Strengthener, the Standby Man. He's the one that declares and convinces and convicts people of the sin of rejecting Jesus. And he also tells that the evil one has been judged. Yes. This is why you need the power of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking through you. He's praying the mystery of tongues, this this language of heaven. Oh, my. I don't know what I would do without the language of heaven. Paul said we're to pray with all manners of prayer. We're also to pray in the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit in us. Some of you have the gift of tongues, but you don't understand it. It's amazing to me, but you don't understand how powerful you are. This is a spiritual, supernatural language. The Holy Spirit in the book of Romans and 1 Corinthians, Paul teaches on this, takes hold together with you. Do you want to pray just through your head knowledge? Okay, I know some things. Father, I pray for President Donald Trump. Da-da-da-da. I'm praying for him. But then, Father, I lift up President Donald Trump. I thank you, Holy Spirit. You pray through me. Believe me, I've been praying intercessory prayer for many, many years and see my prayers answered. Let the Holy Spirit use you as a vessel of honor to pray through you mysteries, divine secrets. God knows what's going on. The Holy Spirit is the power, the dunamis, the might, the dynamite, the firepower of God praying through you. You know, when Esther and her uncle Mordecai were, were, were in that deal when she was, you know, beauty queen and picked to be the queen, uh, the Persian queen. You know what? They were set up by God because Haman was inside, operator, destroying, plotting, destroy the Jews. It was right at the 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 uh, coattails of right on the coattails of the king, and got him to sign a decree and convinced him the spirit of Haman is in the earth and wants to destroy the church, the true body of believers. I want you to call the church. Jesus called it his body of believers on the earth, the church, not a church denomination. No, no, not a certain religion. All the believers in Jesus Christ in the world. If we would gather together in one accord, what do you think is going to happen? And pray in faith in Jesus name. Oh my goodness. Well, they had threatened them. And they asked that they would look, the Lord would look. And when they prayed, the place was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke boldly. Do you want to be a bold witness for Jesus? You're not going to be one without the power, not relying on the power of your own power, 
well, I'm pretty sharp and I could give a good story. Oh, good. I know you are sharp. Many of you are amazing. You're beautiful. You're amazing. And you're intelligent and you're fantastic. But that's not what all we need, my dear precious ones. We need the power of God to do this work, especially at this late hour we live in. So the multitude of those who believed, notice of those who chose to believe, again, back in Acts chapter 4, verse 32, were of one heart and one mind and one soul. You notice there wasn't like 17 different, you know, streams of believing here. Well, I believe that our gossip going on here. Well, I need to talk about how blah, 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 blah. You know what? Can I decide, go to a side note here and in all love and preciousness to you? You know, your words, do you, do you understand the power of your words? You can talk death or life. Jesus himself said, for by your words shall you be justified and by your words shall you be condemned in Matthew twelve thirty seven. When you meditate and you think about and you look at the word of God, something on the inside of you impresses you. Words can make you and words are going to break you. Your words are full of life and happiness and health and healing. Are your words that you write, the words you form in your head and think and meditate on and you write and you speak cause trouble? You know, three times the Lord has spoken to me about gossip in the church. I'm going to say it again. I hope this message gets out to everyone who's so-called believer. You know what? When you repeat matters and it is about destroying the reputation of someone, you know, you don't have the evidence and I don't have all the evidence either. We don't know, but we have to be very careful what we say. We should be speaking the word only. Jesus gave us authority so much to his believers. He said, imagine this in Mark eleven twenty three, Verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, you say, oh, that was just figuratively. Oh, come on, people, wake up. Be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe those things which he says shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he says. You could actually say it like he shall have whatsoever his words speak. (laughs) So I encourage all of us to speak the word only. Speak the word of God. Pray the word of God. Speak the word right here. This evidence, the evidence right here is the signs and wonders that follow. They were of one heart and one mind. And verse 33, with great power, the apostle gave witness. What did they give witness to? Well, I was born in Czechoslovakia. I was born in the United States. And then I moved and I got married. And then I had some kids. And I went to church. Oh, oh, really? Is that your witness? Is that your testimony? Come on, I'm here to inspire you. My job is, by the way, to inspire you. But my job also plucks out, roots out, plants and builds. <laughs> so get ready if you're getting a little spanking spoon right now. You don't want to panking spoon it. My son used to say there was a little wooden spoon in the kitchen. <laughs> and I remember I got it done and go, I'm going to give you a spanking with this little spanking spoon. Now today, I don't know if I'd recommend that. 
if you're in public. But anyway, this little spoon, it was wooden. He goes, no, not the panking spoon. He only got the panking spoon a few times, so he's a pretty good kid there. He was a good boy. But anyway, I'm going to give you a little spanking right now, okay? So when you go out to witness, it says they gave witness to, what are you giving witness to? My little sect of my religious beliefs? Oh, please. You're not saving nobody like that. You're not, nobody's coming into the kingdom. To the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ died. He died. You got to let him die. He experienced death. Okay? Yeah. He died. He who knew no sin was made to be sin in our behalf, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He had to experience death. He was the second Adam. Our first spiritual parents blew it. Yeah. The prophecy in the garden, Genesis 3, God said, the seed of a woman, that would be Christ, is going to, this is my paraphrase, going to break the devil's lordship. And he did. He's been judged. Jesus Christ defeated principalities and powers. You know, the Bible says he made an open show of them. He triumphed over them in the cross. He defeated them for you, not for himself, for you and for me, that we might live a victorious life in Christ. So when they were assembled together, you better believe they spoke about Jesus. The power in their witness was the resurrection of the Lord. I love it because it says great grace was upon them, nor was there was there anyone who lacked among them who lacked. For all who were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of the things they were sold and laid them at the apostles' feet, and they distributed to each one as needed. You know, so they had a distribution center there. The government of the church was established. They were in one accord in agreement and continued to preach Christ. And the power in the church was there. It was right there. There's an incident that happens. You know, the Bible doesn't leave anything out. It goes on to say that this guy named Joses or Joseph, he was also named Barnabas. I love this, by the apostles, because his nickname Barnabas translated son of encouragement. Wow. And he was a Levite from the country of Cyprus, and having land, he sold it, and he brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So he talks about Barnabas and this man. It makes mention of him. And then he's the one that brings Saul, formerly Saul, now Paul the apostle in later, the apostle Paul. So those two get together, and they go out, and they're missionaries together. But first of all, this couple named Ananias and Sapphira, they lie to the Holy Spirit. Now, it's hard for me to understand these two, but um, the Bible is truly recorded, and this is inspired by the Holy Spirit. So we're supposed to take note of this. In Acts chapter 5, there was a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, and they sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, and his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part of it and laid at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, now why would Peter say this? Because he was under the power of the Holy Spirit. He said, why has Satan filled your heart so to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? You know, I like what he said. He goes, well, it remained. It was not your own. I mean, it was your own land. And after it was sold, was it not your own in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You lied You've not lied to men, but you're lying to God. You know the people that are planted right now to cause division and strife? They're an apostate church, a fallen away church. 
they're planted and they're they're stirring up lies right in the church. It may not be about money, but it's about control. And Satan is in their hearts. So Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last. Wow, he died right there. And they buried him, carried him out and buried him. And then his wife came in and Peter asked her, he said, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of God? First, he said, tell me whether you sold this land for so much. And she said, yes, that's how much we sold it for. And then Peter said, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of God? And look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Immediately, she, boom, she drops dead. They carry her out. So it says, great fear came upon the church. That, that's like a holy fear, a respect. So, you know, people lie. They like to, you know, do rumors. But who, who's the author of lie? Well, the Bible says the Satan is the father. The devil is the father of lies. Jesus said he's the father of lies. It's perfectly natural for him to lie. So he is. So the church, though, continues in the power of the Spirit. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord again. They're in total agreement, in one accord. And they go to Solomon's porch. And some of the people wouldn't join them, but it says the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes now of men and women. So let me tell you something. Jesus rocks the world. He rocked the world. Yeah, he rocks the world. When you allow Jesus out of the religious death chambers and you let him go through believers who are spirit-filled, he rocks the world. And so they brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, and at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Wow. It says that the apostles are, are in, go to prison. Why? Because just like today, the Sadducees, they were filled with indignation. That means they were offended. They were angry. And they laid hands on the apostles and they put them in prison. But guess what happened? Supernatural. At night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out. <laughs> and they say, go stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. This is a new life, the Zoe. Z-O-E, Zoe, the life of God. Go speak about this new life. Go ahead. And they heard that, and they entered the temple and early in the morning and taught. But again, the high priest and those came out and called the council together with the elders and the children of Israel and sent to prison to have them brought out. So they put on trial again. They're put on trial again. So the, uh, the officers came out and said, we didn't find them in prison and they reported that and said, no, but they're standing out there preaching right now. <laughs> so the high priest and the captain of the temple, not chief priest, heard all this. This is in um, Acts chapter 5. And um, they came out and told them, look, um, they're standing right there preaching and teaching. And then they, they were kind of afraid of the people. Because remember, they're all feeling they like these people. It says they, they were greatly esteemed by the people and many were added multitudes. So there's a crowd, there's a majority of people that are in agreement with the apostles. So they're afraid the people might stone them. 
So they bring them out before the council and they said, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And you look, you've filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and indeed to bring are intending to bring this man's blood on us. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you murdered by hanging on a tree. Him God has exalted to his right hand to be prince and savior, to give repentance to Israel. You notice that? Israel, repentance for you and forgiveness of sins. And we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who will obey him. Wow. He said, we're witnesses. This is their witness, their testimony. And Gamaliel then is a wise man, a Pharisee, and he's there and he's respected by everybody. So he, he says, you know, men of Israel, take heed to yourselves what which you tend to do to these men. For some time ago, he mentioned there was two uprisings and both of these men fell away and perished. But he says this in verse 38, And now I say to you, keep away from these men. Let, leave them alone. For it is if it, this plan or this work is of men, it will come to nothing. But if it is of God, you cannot overthrow it, lest you even be found to fight against God. Think about it. Are you fighting against God? Do you know someone who's fighting against the will, the truth, the word of God? I pray for you right now that you be free in Jesus' name, that you come out, oh, daughter of Zion, come out and be free in Jesus' name. Lest you be found fighting against the Lord. Why would you fight against Jesus? Many people right now are fighting you know that? Against the will of the Lord. Donald Trump has been placed into the position of authority as our president. And the church needs to be in one accord and rise up with one voice and be a witness and a testimony of Jesus Christ. And signs and wonders will follow those who believe. And people will come into the kingdom then. If we are witnesses and testify of Jesus, the name of Jesus, and what happens is people are caught up in their little beliefs, their little, I see all these different streams and thoughts and, you know, blah, and they're just gossiping and talking and they wonder, wonder, wonder why things aren't happening. Hmm, I wonder, what are you doing? Are you fighting against God's will? Are you obeying the word of God? And they agreed with him and when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, the apostles were beaten, do you realize that? They were beaten, physically beaten, you know, and they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So guess what the apostles did? Oh, I was beaten. Oh my gosh, I feel really bad. Someone doesn't like me. Someone's persecuting me. Oh no. No. It says they went back to their company of followers and they rejoiced that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple, in every house, they did not cease to teach and preach Jesus as the Christ. Notice that. Jesus as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, Messiah of God. Amen. I'm glad you're receiving this and enjoying this word. So we find out that they picked some several really wonderful men of God who are full of faith and the Holy Spirit, like Philip and um, some of these guys, and these are no small potatoes either. They pick out, you know, a number of 
disciples, they pick out these seven good men of reputation and says, fill with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And they continue in prayer and in ministry so they can do the work of the ministry. And these guys, I mean, they're amazing. This, this Stephen guy, oh my goodness. He goes out and he's able with the power of the Holy Spirit. He's speaking the word of God. He's refuting all those. And he addresses um, the crowd and the high priest, Stephen. And he calls them out. I mean, you talk about the history of, of Israel. This is Stephen. He has it down. So when they stirred up the crowd against him, they seized him, you know, and, and they said he was blaspheming. For They had heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth destroyed the customs of Moses and all who sat in the council looked at him. And it says, Stephen's face looked like an angel. Do you know when Moses went up with God? Do you know when he was up there with him? When he came back down, his face shone with the Shekinah glory of God, the presence of God, that they could not look upon him. He had to wear a veil over his face. Do you know that? Well, they look at Stephen and they see his face shining with the glory of God. And now they say to him that he is blaspheming God. But he goes on, he gives an amazing history of God delivering Israel by Moses and how Israel rebels against God. And so he gives like the history, like an overview. And it's incredible what he preaches about the true tabernacle of God and the witness in the wilderness. And he goes on, you have to read it. It's an amazing dissertation. You know, um, and he says to them, you know, uh, on Mount Sinai, what happened? You know, the fathers did not obey. God delivered them out of bondage, out of, out of Egypt, but they wanted this false God. They wanted, them, they wanted Aaron to build this um, calf, this golden calf, and make sacrifices to it. And then God turned and gave them up to the worship of the worship. And it is written in the book of the prophets. And then he quotes it. So he knows the word of God. And he says to you, to them, did you, did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? No, you took up the tabernacle of Moloch and your star god, Rephim, and images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. So the false idolatry, the idol worship, these pagan gods and goddesses, so Israel resisted the Holy Spirit, and Stephen calls them out. He says, you're uncircumcised in your heart and ears, and you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. He said, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers, who you have received who have, excuse me, received the law by the directions of angels and have not kept it. So Stephen is martyred. They kill, they stone him. But you know what? Before they stone him, I believe that this is an important part to note. Not, you know, say what a sad thing to talk about the persecution of the church now and the stoning. But I want you to be aware of it, um, how serious this is. Because for their witness, their witness, it says when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at Stephen with their teeth but he being full of the Holy Spirit again there's the Holy Spirit 
gazed up into heaven. And what did he see? God opened heaven. He saw the glory of God and Jesus standing up. Jesus is standing at the right hand of God and said, look, he says to all the, his people that are killing him. I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. And it says they, they cried. Now, this is the reason I'm reading this. I'm not trying to be dramatic, but this happened. They cried out and they were in one accord. See, when you have plots, okay, when you have um, conspiracy, intrigue, secret plans to destroy America, the people of God, those people are in one accord. They have a plot to kill and destroy. I wanted you to hear this. Stephen is martyred. This wasn't God's will. But it says when they cried out with a loud voice, they stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. They cast him out of the city and stoned him. They killed him. But I wanted you to note that Jesus stood up when Stephen came through and honored him. This was the first martyr of the church. I want you to hear that that they were resisting the Holy Spirit and they were in one accord. We, as the body of Christ, need to get off our high horse and get in one accord and humble ourselves, come into agreement, and be a witness, hallelujah, for Jesus Christ. Amen? Well, at that time, there was a man named Saul, a very young man, who when they stoned him, they laid their clothes at the feet of this Saul. And they stoned him, and Saul was in agreement. And he heard this young man, Stephen, calling on the Lord Jesus. He said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. Think about Stephen's heart. Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now Saul was consenting to his death, the death of Stephen. And there was great persecution and Saul was involved. It's like, listen, it said at that time, all the believers were scattered except the apostles. They stayed, but Saul, he was in great oh, havoc of the church. And he made great havoc of the church and he entered every house and dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. This is our guy Saul, who will now be Paul soon. Many things happened in the church, the early church at that time. And I am going to stop there with that, and I'll pick it up later. But I wanted you to hear about the one accord and being a witness for Christ. It's so important that we understand we need to be in agreement. Do you know, um, in the book of Jude, before I close... There's, it's a small little book, but you need to read it. It's like one page or two pages long or something. But it talks about apostate. The apostates are depraved and doomed. There's an apostasy, which is a falling away of the church, a great departing from the faith, departing from the true gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, a great falling away of church, and the day of the Lord. That's the day of the Lord coming, the end times. All right. In Second Thessalonians, it says there are two events that will come before the day of the Lord, before the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number one, the apostasy or the great falling away, a rebellion of the church and the revealing of the um, Antichrist, the man of lawlessness, the Antichrist, a literal person. 
So there's going to be a worldwide revote, a massive falling away of the church in the end times. You better know what side you're on, okay? Because Jude talks about this, about the falling away. And he says the there are grumblers in verse um I believe it's 16 or 18, and he says there are 16 grumblers, complainers, walking walking according to their own lust, and they mouth great swelling words. So, yeah, flattering people to gain advantage. But you, beloved, remember the words which were spoken before by the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how they told you that there would be mockers in the last days. So there were mockers, in the uh, Acts of the Apostles, they mocked them on the day of Pentecost. So there will be mockers in the last time who will walk according to their own ungodly lust. He said, these are sensual persons who cause divisions, not having the Holy Spirit. Hear it. I'm. This all goes together. Jude, not having the Spirit of God. But he says, you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves where? What should you do? Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And on some, have compassion, making a distinction, but others... Come on, get them saved with fear, pulling them out of the fire. You know what that means? One translation, out of the fire of hell at the last minute, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. And then he sends us off with the glory of God. In verse 24 of Jude, he says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling, and I speak that word over you, now to the Lord Jesus Christ, who's able to keep us from stumbling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God, our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. I'm going to be posting. Send out this link. And I look forward to you praying with me on our call. God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.